Welcome to Grace 360, a vibrant discussion on issues of diversity that we hope is engaging, biblical, and slightly entertaining. The goal of these podcasts is to create a healthy, honest, and helpful discussion for Christian educators, parents, and students from a biblical perspective on current cultural issues relating to diversity. Diversity, for our purposes, is related to the acrostic grace, gender, race, age, ability, culture, and economic status. While we don't have all the answers, we hope our discussion is thought-provoking and helpful. Welcome to Grace 360. Welcome back. This is Jenny Brady, and we wanted to start off by saying thank you so much to all our listeners. We have been encouraged by your input and wanted to let you know about another opportunity to dive deeper in our biblical understanding of diversity, equity, and inclusion. On April 26th through 28th, the Christian Educators Diversity Alliance will be hosting the Christian Educators Diversity Symposium at Prestonwood Christian Academy. We have many incredible speakers coming to talk on topics such as systematic versus individual diversity work, LGBTQ and how we minister well to our students, cultural humility, and much more. We're grateful to be sponsored by Association of Christian Schools International, CESA, the Council on Educational Standards and Accountability, and Joshua Expeditions. Tickets can be purchased at cesaschools.org. Well, today we decided that we wanted to bring in some of our amazing alums who have graduated from the school where we work. And so as we get started, and we wanted to start with introductions on who they are, what year they graduated, and maybe some topics about themselves. So we'll start with Jacob. Hello, uh, my name is Jacob Buttry. I graduated high school in 2016. I am a college senior who's planning on graduating in May, and I'm studying theater and psychology. I'm interested in the topics of diversity, equity, and inclusion because one of my favorite things to study, or like my topic of concentration, uh, deals with empathy and compassion. And I think that this is a particular issue that we as a society and as a church need to direct more attention to in order to create a more empathetic and compassionate community where that kind of growth can thrive. And I am 21. I am a white male, and I have OCD. My name is Antoinette Iroko. I graduated high school in 2013. Um, I graduated college in 2017, so I've been out of the game for a couple years. But I am interested in the topics of diversity and inclusion, not only because they directly affect me, but I think that They have larger implications in the church, in our schools, um, in our legal systems. I love history. Um, I love studying history, and I also am really interested in government and laws. And so learning about how diversity and inclusion has changed over the years, I think it can kind of help give us an idea of where it's going in the future. And I um, love the thought of being able to partner with people to learn more about that and to kind of shape where our society is going. Hello, my name is Maya Sims. I am 18 years old. I graduated from high school in May of 2019, and I'm currently in college. I'm a college freshman. And the reason why I'm interested in diversity and inclusion is because I'm very passionate about social justice and combating issues such as racism and Yes, I am an African-American female. 
Uh, hi, my name is Maria Paula Hernandez, and uh, I graduated high school in uh, 2017. I am a college junior this year. And one of the things, you know, that interests me about diversity is uh, it's coming from being an international student. Um, I'm from Colombia. And so my experience with going to a predominantly white school and navigating that system while being an international Hispanic student uh, has been very interesting. So I really look forward to this conversation. Awesome. Thank y'all. And we also have Dan Panetti again with us here today. So um, one of the things is over the years, y'all have um, blessed me tremendously hanging out in my office. We've grown together. We've learned a lot together. And so we wanted to bring y'all in today to have a discussion about what it was like growing up in a predominantly white Christian school, private school, um, what those experiences were like. And y'all represent many different years, many different ages. And of course, we continue to grow in our diversity work, but then also how that has impacted you today. And so one of the questions we wanted to ask is, what role do you feel like a diversity director played in your educational experience? Do you feel like it was beneficial? Did you, I know y'all knew I existed. Did you know that I actually did other work besides just hang out with y'all? What, what, what do you think about that? So for me, um, I grew up in a, um, like you said, predominantly white environment. And as like a black female, I realized going into college, my freshman year of college, um, and through kind of out throughout my college career, I didn't realize that I was in a predominantly white environment until I was out of it. Um, and I think something that was really impactful for me, having Miss Brady as a director of diversity, um, I think that transition from being in a, not necessarily not a predominantly white environment, but just a different one in college and kind of realizing like I'm the other per se. I think even when I was in um, my safe environment in high school, being around Miss Brady and other students, I think that going into college, I realized how valuable that was because I was equipped with tools. Like I was equipped with what it would look like to be who I am from a biblical perspective. Um, and it didn't really set in for me until I was in college. For example, like because I grew up in a predominantly white environment, um, I realized that some things like microaggressions and different like implicit racist comments, I really let slide a lot. So, for example, like the other day I was with someone and, you know, he just said like, oh, you got that because you're black. And he was joking, like he's a friend, whatever. Um, but like in high school, I would have been like, oh, yeah, and just kind of gone along with it. Because when you're in a predominantly white environment, as a person of color, it's just really not worth it to like make a big fuss about it. Because then you draw attention to yourself. And as a, you know, timid high school kid, you know, that's just not something like you kind of pick your battles, right? But since graduating and like looking back on the tools that I learned in high school through Miss Brady and the diversity program that we have, it was like, one, it's not just about me saying something for myself, for my sake, but it's about teaching this person that that's not okay to say to anybody. Um, and it's about not just standing up for myself, but standing up for people um, who that person will come across later. And so I said, you know, hey, that's, that's not cool. Like, let's not say that. Um, and that's probably not something that I would have done in high school because, you know, just the environment that I was in. But 
Miss Brady and the diversity program at Prestonwood kind of planted those seeds for me to um, kind of speak up for myself and understand that it's okay sometimes to make a quote-unquote fuss, like to stand up and say, hey, that's not okay. Like, don't say that because it's kind of racist. You know what I'm saying? Like, people kind of associate racism with, like, really racist things, like painting graffiti with, like, slurs or, like, burning a cross on someone's lawn. And, like, yes, those things are racist, but that's not just racism, right? Like, you can be racist in um, your mindset, in the things that you say, even though you have a ton of black friends or a ton of Hispanic friends, you know what I'm saying? So kind of teaching people and learning that, like, those things kind of helped me in, in high school with diversity. Uh, I think one of the things that you said, it was like educating other people and also like those microaggressions. You know, I live with a, you know, with a white family. And so that's something that is very different. And and being in a white school as well, it's just sometimes you don't notice that your comments are insensitive. You know, when people think about immigrants, you know, they, they tend to be uh, very judgmental. But it was excluded for me, right? It's like, oh, it's them, not you. And that is something that, you know, I talked about a lot with Miss Brady coming in. First, the culture shock, you know, the differences in American culture and, you know, Hispanic culture, and also navigating those those ideals of we don't like this particular kind of immigrant, but you're not included in that, right? It's being um, the other person. And so just talking with Miss Brady throughout high school and just helping me navigate all of that and letting me come into her office and just sometimes vent or just sometimes have a conversation about stuff that was going on in the school and and just navigating that um, she was a very big help and now being in college you know all of those conversations that we had I can have with other people you know and I can be more open because I already had those experiences and be like this is how this affected me and this is how I can talk about it with you um, so that we can both learn something you know. Yes, so having a director of diversity at our school tremendously helped me grow in my faith as a Christian and just kind of find my place as an African-American in the church. And my family did not attend church really when I was growing up. And so I kind of, as an African-American woman, I kind of learned about things such as stereotypes and bias from a somewhat secular perspective. And then kind of when I entered a Christian institution, I was kind of led to believe that, you know, the church was very inclusive and I was very interested in what the church had to say about issues of diversity and inclusion and how they would deal with stereotypes and implicit biases and that sort of thing. And I felt like it really wasn't getting addressed for me. So I really had no experience with how these things are supposed to be addressed and how Christ addressed these issues. And then Miss Brady kind of introduced me to how these issues should be addressed by the church and how this, these issues are addressed in the Bible, but somehow at this predominantly white institution, we just didn't address these issues, whether some people were afraid to or what. And so I honestly believe that I would not still be a Christian if it wasn't for Miss Brady, because initially I just did not feel included at my school as a Christian. I have kind of a different perspective as somebody who didn't have personal experiences with feeling excluded as as kind of a white male. I feel like in a predominantly white institution, um, I feel like one of the defining features of a predominantly white institution is that white individuals are able to 
go through the institution for their entire time without being challenged or aware of a lot of the perspectives of um, people who, uh, from people of color. Um, and so for me, the diversity director position, I think served two purposes. One was I kind of viewed it as somebody who was challenging the status quo within the institution, um, both within the administration, within the student body, encouraging new ideas, um, encouraging people to consider things that the institution is unaware of or maybe had never addressed previously, or it's maybe something that's always been done, but maybe it's something that should be looked at. And then the second is to encourage a lot of the white students um, to consider new perspectives and new ideas. I don't think that I would have been interested in DEI and diversity without the position of the diversity director because I never would have been challenged or even necessarily made aware of how much there was to learn on this topic. Okay. So, hey, this is Dan Panetti. Um, One of the things uh, I think uh, Antoinette brought up was about microaggressions. And one of the questions, because Antoinette, you, you mentioned, right, that that you were taught how to deal with these things and you've kind of learned how to, what you said, cause a fuss. In a, in a situation, it's, you know, you're helping somebody else, not just raising a concern, but you're helping somebody else see the world through different eyes. So I think you're doing a great job with it. But how would you, from a school setting, how would you have wanted your teachers and other people uh, to have helped you with that? When a microaggression happens, first tell us what it is. What What do you mean by microaggression? Because there's some people that are thinking, I, I don't know what that means, right? So explain what that is, and then talk about how other people can deal with that situation so that it, the onus isn't just always on you to feel like you have to defend yourself, but can other people come along and help you with that as well? Yeah, so first starting with what a microaggression is, it's essentially a comment or a mindset that isn't uh, explicitly racist, like you're not using slurs, you're not calling someone out, but it just reveals a mindset that a person may have um, of inferiority. For example, microaggressions that I've experienced has been like, well, you're really pretty for a dark-skinned girl, or um, you sound so white, I don't really see you as being like a black person, or like you're really well-spoken for a black person or whatever. I mean, they may not even say you're well-spoken for a black person, but if they say you're like really well-spoken, like, and, you know, act surprised by that, like you're implying I'm taken aback by the fact that you are speaking well, you know what I'm saying? So microaggressions a lot of times come from people who mean really well, like they're essentially compliments that have like racist undertones. And so sometimes when you hear microaggressions, it's hard to like, say something back to them because they're complimenting you, you know? So it's hard to be like, actually, you're being racist. Um, so it's really it's really a touchy way that you kind of have to deal with it. But I think the best way to deal with it is, like, letting people know right then and there my perspective, like, the way that I use, the way that I deal with, like, all things in life, really, is, like, through humor. So, like, I'll just, like, you know you know, you're really pretty for a black girl, like, oh, so am I pretty for a white girl too? You know, like just saying something back that kind of makes them think twice about like what they're saying. Um, And I don't really need to say anything else. You know what I'm saying? Like they kind of realize, oh, shoot, like what I just said kind of does imply that, you know, kind of 
furthering that comment along to like what the implication is. And I think, I mean, in the school setting, you guys can probably chime in. Like it's probably a little bit different. Like you can't joke and roast on kids or whatever. But um, <laughs> but I think uh, dealing with microaggressions, it's just, it's touchy. So what do you guys think? Yeah, I feel like, you know, sometimes, you know, you hear it maybe if the teacher asks a question and one of the students like wants to be funny and they're like, oh, um, I remember this one situation we were in. It didn't happen to me, but it was another um, Hispanic girl from my class and someone asked a question and one of the students said, oh, but that's why we're going to build a wall or something like that. And she called him out immediately in the classroom. She was like, hey, that you shouldn't say that. You know, like, that's not okay for you to say. And so some people deal with it like that. But if it was me, like, I don't know how I would have responded in that situation because it is hard to be, like, putting a target on your back, right? But it is it is important to call it out or maybe after the class ended or have a conversation with the teacher present and be like, hey, this is something that made me really uncomfortable. If we could talk about it, you know, that would be great. One of the things that we've often talked about is when comments are made, when situations arise, how do you want the teacher to respond? Knowing that none of y'all speak for everybody within your group or for every student, but now as you're older, how would you have liked your teachers to respond to situations like this? If they overhear someone saying something, how would you have liked them to respond? I will say, so there was a situation that I experienced in college when I was working at like this local barbecue place in this very small town and one of the managers came in and was just you know going off about college students and your microaggressions and all this stuff and I was like yikes Um, because that was a really awkward situation to be in so I think there's kind of an idea that like microaggressions are made up or people are being too sensitive or you're being politically correct or whatever when really I think the first thing you got to do is like take that stigma off, right? Like take your lens off of it that you're seeing it from and try to understand where the other person is coming from. Um, And then once you do that and Jacob, like I think Jacob being a part of this conversation is super important. And I think it's, he can kind of speak to this too, but like most of my teachers in high school were white. So for a white person to call out racism when they see it, for me, it's like, so much more meaningful because like I can sit here and say like hey that's racist or hey don't say that or whatever to my friends and to my teachers and to my coworkers all day long but ultimately some people no matter how loving you're being or how much you say it they're still going to say you're playing the race card because you're black or because you're Hispanic but to have a white person say something to them like call it out so for example like if I was to hear a microaggression in class and my teacher was to say hey that's not okay like setting that tone early I think that's really impactful and really important because it shows that it's not just a black person problem it's not just a Hispanic person problem it's not just an Asian person problem it's an everybody problem and um, when people start to see that white people are affected by it too that's when it becomes like Like, it's a big issue at that point, which is unfortunate. You know, I'm saying that everyone has to be impacted for it to be an actual issue. But that's just kind of the state we're in right now. And so I think that as a teacher, whether I mean, obviously not just white teachers, but like teachers calling it out and saying like, hey, that's not okay, And this is why 
again, sharing the underlying implication, I think is really helpful. And also being open to have that conversation, you know, of if someone said something in class, you know, just call it out immediately as well. But afterwards, pull them outside, you know, and have that conversation with the two students that, you know, maybe have the issue and be like, okay, this is why it bothered me that you said that, you know, and like, this is how I can teach you, you know, in a way, my perspective and how what you said, you know, how it was hurtful and how it was racist, you know, in in some cases. And so it's important for the teacher to be present in that conversation because they can also learn and understand their students' perspectives, you know? So let me ask you a question, Maria Paula. So you you mentioned right, and and you're you're an immigrant. Your parents are immigrants. You're an immigrant to the United States. Um, the the idea of building a wall, right, is a conversation that a lot of people have. It's a political issue. It comes up, you know, every once in a while, depending on who's running for whatever office. But what what you're not saying is if a person holds to the idea, right, of building a wall where you can have a discussion in a class about whether it's positive or negative, what the effects are on people, things like that. You want to be able to still have the conversation. It's just when students say things, right, to say, hey, build the wall, let's keep kids out, where you can tell that it's a it's a dig at other people, that's what we need to address. And there's a difference between those two. And, and you can feel it, but sometimes, right, the teacher's kind of like, oh, it's all part of the conversation, when in reality, right, you need to pick up on the when it's a dig at somebody or when it's a statement saying, hey, this is my viewpoint. Right? For sure. Definitely the undertone of that conversation, because it is important to have those conversations. You know, it's important to to see other people's perspectives on the issue. But when it just comes out as being just negative, you know, and being that undertone of, oh, we don't want them, you know, for because they're, you know, whatever adjective. And so it's that idea that you know, kids can be insensitive, you know, and they can they can say things because other people say things and they don't really understand the issue going on and how it's going to affect other people and how they receive it. And so having the conversation is important, but being respectful and being understanding of the other person's perspective is important when you're having that conversation. Well, that is all the time we have for today, but on our next podcast, we will continue this conversation. As you have listened to these amazing alumni and their experiences, we want to remind you of the Diversity Symposium coming up April 26th through 28th at Prestonwood Christian Academy. We will offer great information and practical steps on many aspects of diversity and its importance in Christian schools. You can register at cesaschools.org. That's C-E-S-A schools.org. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Grace 360. As always, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are for educational purposes and are not intended to be divisive or inflammatory in nature. We hope you listened and learned as much as we have in the process of producing the show and pray you'll join us for our next episode. You can find us on social media. We would love to have you as part of our discussion with your thoughts and questions. Once again, thank you for listening to Grace 360.